0: I came up to Burlington, Vermont for the July weekend, and we saw the lake, we saw the mountains, we saw the bike path along the lake, we love biking, and we we're just like, this is it, like we need to move here. This is a place I can grow my business.
1: From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Today we sit down with our friend Stacey Huffstettler, founding partner at Widget Brain. Technology company that uses algorithms to help companies operate more efficiently, saving time, money, and invaluable resources. Welcome. This is Sam Roach Gerber.
2: And Dave Bradbury.
1: Recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Hi, Stacey. Hi, Sam. Yay. Afternoon. I'm so glad you're Welcome. Here.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here.
1: We had to drag her away from her desk, but it's we like got her
2: literally head. my math SAT scores just rose.
1: Just within the room. We,
2: now that we have Stacy here, so
1: I know, thank God. And I have so many questions that I pretend to know the answers to, but now I'll actually get real answers, which is great. Um, let's start real simple. What is Widget Brain?
0: Um, I think you gave a great intro in the beginning. Thank God, so was I was
1: super nervous about beautiful that. Beautiful
0: summary. Um, we are a company that believes and is really passionate about the idea that algorithms and in particular AI can be used to drive value for businesses. And also that this doesn't have to be something really big or complex or only accessible to large enterprise organizations, but really something that can be scalable, easily plugged in to any system so that really any company can get the benefits of this kind of technology to, to drive their business. So that was really the founding principle of WidgetBrain is how can we deliver algorithms that scale easily, plug into any other software to really help businesses drive their business performance. And so that's been our our kind of principle over the last five years that we've been operating. And probably over the last two or three years, we've really been focused on workforce optimization for retail and hospitality companies. So essentially helping them improve business performance. That means like increasing revenue, increasing sales, improve employee happiness. Because if you think about our retail store or a fast food restaurant, those employees that are on the front line there serving customers, they're make or break for that business. So improving improving employee happiness um, is really going to also help improve customer happiness, which is, again, going to kind of drive more revenue for those businesses. And then finally, compliance is a huge topic right now. So our AI services... um, help businesses build schedules that are going to be compliant with all of the local labor laws that are actually very complex and there can be very stiff penalties for not being compliant with those laws. So how do you combine all three of those different concepts into one schedule and do it with a click of a button rather than having a person spend hours and hours and hours trying to figure out all of those things? So that's our major focus right now.
1: Amazing.
2: Wow. Um, AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning are sort of like two of the words we hear a lot. Is there a difference? And if so, what what is it?
0: Great question. Um, There is a difference. So machine learning really in particular focuses on taking, I'm going to stipulate I'm not a data scientist, so this is my kind of my focus at WidgetBrain is really.
2: We're not podcast hosts either. (laughs) So this is the fake it while we make it show.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So if you my, like
1: explaining it to a sixth grader, I think is where Dave and I are at here. So you know, go go for that.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, so right. So machine learning is really all about how do you take historical data, learn based on what's happened in the past, and use that to predict the future. Uh, and that is definitely one part of what we do. So we do a lot of demand forecasting, um, taking historical sales data, transactions data, etc., using that to forecast. You know, demand drivers out into the future. Um, there's also a lot of different other kinds of algorithms. So we also use mathematical optimization to essentially build really good schedules. So when we're building schedules, we're always trying to build like the mathematically optimal schedules. We take all the weights, all the preferences, all the parameters that the customer really cares about that they want to use to drive their business, and we rank them all. And we figure out what's the best possible result, and that's what we publish. So those are both different types of algorithms. And then you know, even a rules-based engine, like if-then statements, that all of these things are, are types of algorithms. And so we actually employ all of these different approaches. And they all really fall under the umbrella of AI, very broadly speaking.
2: Thank you. That's, that's so quite helpful. helpful. Um, I love how you, you talk about the company as being an algorithm factory, right? just to scalability and, and, and deployment. Use cases that are that are really compelling um, can you just talk about your background? We know you're not a data scientist, but what, what's your deal where's your story?
0: Yeah, so my background, my education was in uh, business, so my undergraduate degree had a business degree from the University of Pennsylvania, and from there I have to admit, I had no idea what I wanted to do next. I was a classic college grad. I took a class called Cognitive Neuroscience, and I completely fell in love with the idea of Cognitive Neuroscience. And so I went home and I told my dad after four years of business school that I was going to go be a psychologist. And I think, I really think I broke his heart. Like, I think it's one of the <laughs> hardest conversations I've ever had to have with him. He was not, he, like, really wanted me to be in business anyway. So after... Um, after a couple of years of doing cognitive neuroscience, I realized like that was also not for me, um, and so I started figuring out what to do next. And I ended up working for a company through a friend of mine um, it was called Quintic, and they do supply chain optimization. And so that's kind of where I got my start. At the time, I have to admit, I didn't know um, anything about software really implementing it. I didn't really know anything about supply chains, and they their whole approach was like, "Come join us. We'll teach you. Learn on the fly. We just want." People who are motivated, who want to learn, who want to you know, help us grow. So I joined Quintic when they had 10 people, and I helped them kind of grow that business in the U.S. Uh, to be over 100 people. Um, so that was kind wow. of really the bulk of my career before founding Widget Brain was, was with Quintic. So that was an incredible experience. I think you know leveraging my business background, what I did a lot there was... Um, really helping on the implementation side and figuring out, okay, great, we have this technology, this wonderful technology. How do we actually implement it um, for a business to make a difference within that organization to help them achieve their goals? And I think that is really the skill set that I brought to WidgetBrain as well um, when I helped found that company.
1: Wow. That's, that's really awesome. And I have to say, this is like perfect timing, selfishly for me, because Last week in my MBA program, um, our assignment was about um, scheduling automation. Um, so oh, wow, I know. I'm like, Amazing. why didn't Seriously. I book a meeting with you last week when <laughs> I stumbled my way through it? Um, but you know, a lot of what was discussed was um, sort of. Balancing the quantitative information you have with qualitative factors because you're still, yep. it's still humans at the end of the day. So, can you talk a little bit about how you guys factor that into your recommendations or um, when you're working with a company and how this sort of solve their needs?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I think if you go back um, a decade, I think people are really talking about labor optimization in terms of cost reduction. And more and more people are starting to realize and businesses are starting to realize that there's way more to labor optimization than that. So there's qualitative and quantitative factors and, and emphasis on the, the qualitative kind of being added to the mix. And so what we really see ourselves as doing is taking labor optimization for being a very top-down, finance-driven decision. You need to cut your labor budgets by 10% and really bringing in operations. So, okay, okay. Like labor, yes, it's a cost, but it's also the key factor that we need in order to be able to sell anything. So again, if you think about a retail company or a restaurant, if you don't have any employees in that location, you won't sell any product, you won't make any food. So labor is also very much a driver of revenue. So bringing operations in, what do we really need to support the business? And if you're understaffed, you're losing revenue in those moments. So if there's a line out the door at your McDonald's, people are going to go to the Arby's next door, right? You don't have customers that are going to wait in line for you. And then finally, bringing in HR as well from the compliance point of view, because that's also where you get into the employee happiness, the softer side of things. How do we build schedules that work for people? And really kind of bringing all three of those different departments together and kind of going back to this idea of mathematical optimization, how can we take the relative weights and preferences that matter to this business and reflect them in the schedule. Because these are three kind of competing dimensions, compliance versus operations versus um, cost. <laughs> Sorry, I <forgot laughs> the for a second. Compliance, operations, and cost. Um, they're, they're competing factors, but you can balance them in a way that works for one business versus another. So if you think about a high-end fashion retailer, they might actually – care a little bit more about customer experience and they might more heavily wait getting extra staff there to serve their customers versus maybe more like a supermarket or a quick service restaurant that's a little bit more like low margin. They might be willing a little bit more to cut costs and say like, okay, we'll let customers wait an extra couple minutes.
1: Wow. That sounds like incredibly satisfying to figure out.
0: It's so much fun. Yeah. yeah do, you like, everyone, do you like puzzles? Are you, do you like puzzles? How did you know? <laughs> yes. I guess. I love I love puzzles. Yeah, totally. Crossword puzzles. We actually have a little, uh, the New York Times is a daily crossword. It's just a little mini. It's usually a five by five grid. And there's a few of us that have like a daily competition going to see who can do it the fastest.
1: Oh man, I love that. Yeah, so fun. Talk about I a love it. fun I, culture. I, I
2: wasn't sure what was going on over at that team desk. So <laughs> describe Would Your Brain, right? Because um, it's in Europe. It's here in Vermont. Like how did that come about? How did you hook up become part of that founding team? And then why are you here in Burlington?
0: All great questions. Um, so the founding team of WidgetBrain, four of the five of us, all worked together at the company I mentioned previously, which is Quintic. So that company was acquired a number of years ago when that acquisition happened. We all kind of broke off on our own time frame and refound each other through WidgetBrain. So one of the original founders of WidgetBrain um, and I actually worked together in North America. So when I first started in North America, he was one of the directors of the business unit on the sales side. I was on the delivery side, and I just we had a great connection. And I stayed in touch with him even after he left Quintic. And so when I left, I reached out and I said, you know, hey, what are you guys up to? How's it going? And he said, well, actually, we're thinking about opening an office in the U.S. Would you like to join us to help build the business here? And I said, yes. Well, I talked to some people and I interviewed and. Then I right. said, yes, yeah, yeah. Talk to your version. dad again. Talk to my dad he again. He approved yeah. because it was
1: business-focused.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was like that I was back in the world of business. Um, talked to my husband about finances and you know, job stability and security and, and all of that. But yeah, I mean, I, I made the decision to jump in. So when I joined, Widget Brain had been going for about two years. Um, bootstrapped from the beginning, so just growing based on revenue from customers. We had 10 people. Um, they were almost all in Rotterdam. We had one person in the Ukraine at the time, one person, another founder in Australia, and myself in the U.S. And So super small. So wacky. Yeah, it's like, and that was only three years ago. I was just talking to someone over wow. lunch, and I can't believe it was just three years. So that was three years ago. I flew over. I met the 10-person team, and we got started, and I flew back. And I was actually in Philly at the time. Going back to your question about why Vermont, um, I was in Philly, and I had pitched to them, I'm going to build this business in Philadelphia. And they said, great, what a great city to build a business in. And then about three months later, my husband and I came up to Burlington, Vermont um, for the July weekend, and we saw the lake, we saw the mountains, we saw the bike path along the lake. We love biking. And we were just like, this is it. Like, we need to move here. And so then about... Two weeks later, I reached out to Sam and Dave because I found VSET online, oh, and I God. thought wow, I'm getting a little emotional over <laughs> well, here. Tissue time. And yeah. I thought, like, this is a place I can grow my business, and I just really like. I'd only seen the website, I hadn't even met y'all yet, but I just really felt like this was a this was the space, you know, and it, it felt really good and really positive, and so. We made the decision to move here. I told the other founding partners, and they were a little surprised. Did
2: you tell them it was basically (laughs) South Montreal? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, They were like,
0: where's Vermont? They're all Dutch. Where's Vermont? Where's Burlington? Just imagine Canada. Go a little farther south. Okay. So there's a lot of questions about why. Like, will it really work? But I'll tell you what, every single one of them has been here, and every single one of them says, I can totally see why you made the decision, and it was 100% the right decision.
2: That's great. Um, how's it been building your team, and what how many folks do you have working here now in the states?
0: Yeah, so we are up to seven. Awesome. which is amazing. That's amazing. We have two job offers out right now, and we're looking to hire another two to three people in Q two at least. Um, it's been amazing finding a team here. I'll say, you know, the help from y'all at Vset, there's just kind of a great community, the constant flow of people coming in, but then also, Everyone I've met in Burlington just wants to help everybody hire everybody. And so lots of great connections. i had lots of support locally. Really good connections with the university. We've hired some of the best people from there. Um, yeah, I've
2: You've done I've, interns too, right? Internships. Interns, you, it yep. seems to be part of your culture and, and, and sort of proving yeah. proving out folks.
0: So Exactly. Yeah, but it's been it's very much been better than I expected. I was worried about, you know, only forty thousand people. How easy it will be to hire, but it's been it's been great.
1: Yeah, it's I, I I know we like talk about this all the time, but like I feel like I was just on the phone with you, and um, it's funny. I we get calls all the time of people like, hey, thinking about moving to Vermont, and you know here's the plan, and I you know most of the time there's a lot of open ended questions there, but for you. I just remember so clearly you had such a vision for what you wanted to do. Um, And I remember getting off the phone with you, and I think I ran right over to Dave and was like, oh, my God, I just met this amazing woman. Like, she's moving up from Philly. She's starting a company. It sounds super cool. Um, So, you know, I just, you know, this sounds like... It's totally dorky but I'm just so proud of what you've done in such a short amount of time and um, you know, Dave and I are always talking about you as our sort of poster child VSET company um, but it's, it's incredible so yeah. congratulations um, on that. Um, I did want to just get back briefly to Widget Brain, what you guys have going on. Um, can you just tell us about like, who your customers are mm-hmm. and sort of what industries you're in now and um, where you think that's going?
0: Great question. So right now we are very much focused on retail and hospitality, which sounds narrow because I only said two words. But when you think about all the different types of retailers there are out there, um, all the different types of hotels and restaurants and you know, everything from um, you know, like very relatively small franchise owners of big corporations all the way up to you know, big corporations themselves, it's actually it's an enormous market. So it's not that narrow of a focus. Uh, But that's kind of our main target area right now, and we're focusing on that because we've seen um, the most growth there, the most opportunity there. Um, And I think a lot of that is actually driven by kind of going back to the softer side of things and the the human aspect. Um, More and more across the country right now, one of the trends we're seeing is that cities and states are rolling out um, what's broadly called predictive scheduling laws. And the foundation of those is that people, especially part time workers, uh, have the right to predictability in their schedules. Um, I think there didn't
1: a New York Times article just come <coughs> out about Starbucks, I think, with that, right?
0: Yes, yeah. yeah. And Chipotle was actually in the news because they weren't following the laws and they had some pretty big fines and some pretty big stock price impact. And I think if you look at the way a lot of part time workers get scheduled,
2: it's sort of a fairness issue, right, for, yes. the, for, for the, the labor side? Yeah,
0: okay. yeah it's totally it's a fairness issue. So if you look at the way a lot of part-time workers are scheduled, they um, work multiple different jobs. And so if you arrive at your job and your boss tells you, oh, we don't need you today, can you come back tomorrow? You've just lost out on the time commuting, you've lost out on those wages, and you probably can't come back tomorrow because you have a different part-time job. Right. And so predictive scheduling laws are really about how do we get more predictability and scheduling for the employees? Amazing, amazing program, but it also creates a real challenge on the employer side of how do you how do you create those schedules and do that in a in a fair and balanced way?
1: Yeah, and I think another huge piece of that is childcare, right? Yes, I mean that's most people that are working those jobs like need that money and income for childcare, and they need to be able to plan for that. And I think that was part that I read about it that was just really it's touching, but it's also a huge cost for the employer. So
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Um, and so, you know, I mentioned that I had, um, kind of come across this topic last week in school, which was funny. And uh, in my research, like one of the first articles that came up was a widget brain article, Come um, on. no swear way. to God. No and way. I was like, is this, I, like, I, I was like, did I type widget brain in by accident? And then I was like, no. And, and it pulled me into your blog. And um, Our and marketing I, team
0: is going to love this. Oh my yeah.
1: God, the SEO, I'm telling you. Yes, please wow. tell them. What um, did you
0: Google? Can you tell me?
1: I don't remember exactly what it was, but I'll definitely look into it and let you know. Um, I think it was something about predictive scheduling and, and stuff like that. Um, Nailed
2: it, right? Yes. Yes. So, yeah, all
1: right. Um, but you know, it, it connects back to something that Dave and I talk about all the time and, and share with our founders is branding yourself as an expert in a topic, even mm-hmm. if you haven't launched your company yet, being a Trusted Voice. Um, so anyway, I got pretty deep into the, the blog there and was just blown away by, for a pretty young company, you guys have a ton of content. Um, can you talk a little bit about why you think this is important? Why it's been sort of, or at least appears to be like a priority for
0: WidgetBrain? Brain? Do you mean content creation or predictive scheduling?
1: Um, content creation, Cons- yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah. I I completely agree. So I think it's important that we're not just providing software; we're also providing thought leadership. I think it really helps establish ourselves as. Um, experts in the field and, and really kind of an organization that's that's good to talk to and work with and all of that. I think you know we we come from a really long background of doing this kind of stuff, and so we really brought that with us when we founded WidgetBrain. Um, and I think you know Dave mentioned SEO, that's a huge part of it. Um, from our marketing point of view, from really trying to drive our direct-to-customer, you know, inbound and outbound sales channels. Um, that marketing content has been a huge, huge part of that. We use it both for SEO. We also use it when we're doing cold outreach to say, like, if you're interested, click on this link. Like, this will tell you more. Just really kind of adds that credibility. It adds another layer to any conversation that we have, especially those starting point conversations.
1: Well, and it's an industry new enough that there's a lot of education that you have to do around it.
0: That's exactly right. So it's a huge phase of our sales cycle. It's like awareness to people know they have a problem. Okay, they know there's a problem. Predictive scheduling laws is a great example. If you're in one of those markets, you know you have an issue. But then education is that next big phase of like, okay, how do we educate them on not just what's the problem, but what's the solution? And then we want them to select us to be the solution, and that's kind of that, that next phase. So the content really plays a key role in the awareness to some extent, but, but mostly in the education phase.
2: Yeah, I mean that was sort of the whole machine learning AI thing, right? It was sort of everybody's talking about it, but not from a customer side. Really hadn't digested what it actually means and how it's how can I implement it? How can I service it? And it seems that at least through one of our other companies, Faraday, that's mm-hmm. just knocking the cover off the ball in terms of growth and, and relevance. Like the the markets now, right? It, they're ready for it. They're able yeah. to deploy it and. Is your system pretty easy to, to deploy into the enterprise? Because that, that friction is often a, a real barrier for upstart companies to, to get in.
0: Yeah, and so that is that has been one of our focuses from the very beginning, is how can we plug into existing systems and to make up that ramp-up time as quick and seamless as possible. So we actually partner with... Um, Lots of different types of organizations. We've kind of been, we've mostly been talking about workforce management in this conversation. So we partner with lots of different you know, cloud-based WFM solutions. Who provide if you're thinking about scheduling, you know, retail workers um, for a company. Like there's a lot more than just building the schedule. There's all of the employee engagement side of things. There's a user interface for them, a mobile app for them, all of that. So our partners provide that user experience side, and we plug in. And provide the intelligence in, in the background. So we have a lot of really close and great relationships with WFM providers here in the states and also so around the world. So you're not a threat
2: to them, or or from the customer side. I don't have to abandon what I've already invested in and change processes again, right? It's sort of exactly you're, you're kind of behind the scenes, just delivering superpowers.
0: Exactly right. Yep. And so a lot of folks, especially. Customers that have um, big WFM solutions like Kronos or JDA, they're looking, it's a huge investment to implement them. So they're looking to extend the life of those or get additional value out of those rather than replatforming because that's a huge cost. So we can actually, one of our value propositions is definitely plugging in there and saying, like, let's beef up your optimization without going through an entire new vendor selection process.
2: And what's sort of the vision for the company? Where are you headed with this, right? You've been through one sort of exit already. Uh, Is this sort of, you know, you're on that kind of path um, or is it just to to build a company and and be a large employer here and and across the world?
0: Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, we want to build a company that we want to work for. So we really want to build a great place to work for our employees, super high um, focus on work-life balance and really kind of meeting people where they are and supporting them. So that is a huge, a huge part of what we want to do. Uh, we did raise our first round in November, um, 2 million euros. was our first external capital after about four years. And we did it because we were really trying to make the full shift away from consulting revenue to really focus on growing our MRR and monthly recurring revenue and really kind of being more of a true product like SaaS company. Um, we'll always be a little bit of a hybrid because that's in our nature, but you know, we really wanted to move as much as we could in that direction, so we needed a little boost to kind of help us get there. Um, so anyway, with that, Capital comes more growth. Um, it really is helping us drive. We're investing a lot of that here in the US. So it's helping us drive a lot of the growth that we're seeing here in the US. But I think if you look long term, so if we go back to you know, widget brain, who are we at our core, we want to deliver scalable AI services that help businesses improve their operations. So right now we're focused on workforce optimization for retail and hospitality. We have an innovation team that's doing predictive maintenance, which is more of an industry 4.0 concept. But who knows what's next, right? Right. So we're going to kind of find, like right now, um, the WFO space, we've great product market market fit. So we're growing really well there, scaling really well there. We want to use that success to fund the next set of algorithms and the next set of algorithms after that.
1: Awesome. Um, can you talk a little bit too about, you sort of mentioned it, but um, just your business model. So how are your customers paying you? And um, it sounds like you're shifted away from consulting to a SaaS sort of model.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we have, um, we have a few stages um, with most of our customers. So as we're going through the sales cycle, a lot of them will do what we call a data exercise. It's a a proof of concept, like a proof point that happens early on. It's a really invaluable tool in the sales cycle to, kind of quickly and easily show direct value for them. So we'll take in their data, we'll run it through our algorithms, and we'll say, based on what you're doing today, here's what we we could do and here's the ROI on that. So there's a little bit of consulting revenue that comes in with that. I just think it's an important thing to mention as part of that sales process. Then when we actually kick off a project, there's typically two components – There is a little bit of consulting in the beginning, um, but then it's mostly um, software as a service, so monthly recurring fee. uh, We price per employee per month for the most part, Um, and we usually try to scale that with our partners. We try to make sure we're taking into account the number of employees, the value to the customer, all of that, but we really try to get and build that MRR, that monthly recurring revenue. That's probably our main focus right now.
2: Right, and... um God, I want her to like sell our stuff too, Sam. Right? right? Seriously,
0: damn
1: good.
2: No, I, it's I just realized how far behind I am in articulating things. Must be that Boston stuff we were talking about before. <laughs> right? um, can you talk about? Do you have a mentor or mentors? I mean, how do you learn? How do you get you know improved as a as a leader uh, and and growing this organization?
0: Yeah, great, great question. Um, I have been lucky in Vermont to have uh, one of the first things I did, actually. So I um, went to one of the Female Founders Speaker Series right after I moved here. It was the one with the Burton kind of female leadership team. I was so inspired. I just thought they were incredible. Everything I had to say, it was a, an amazing, amazing presentation. So I actually reached out to Josie from that and said, I kind of want to be you someday. Can we just have coffee? Who <laughs> doesn't want to be Josie? Josie right. is so
2: amazing. Yes, right?
0: but she's so humble. She actually didn't say like I get that all the time. Like no. wait in line. She was like actually yeah, I'd be happy to have coffee with you. So I've been you know catching up with her probably once a quarter for the last couple of years. Um, she actually connected me with someone who's working with us now. So She's this kept that secret
2: from us. Josie great. has, hasn't she, Sam? I, I don't <laughs> recall that. We've done other things with, with Burton and she that yeah. have been fun. But. She
0: is the most humble person yeah. on the planet. So great. So yeah. just like, you know, Vermont has been really good from that point of view. And then I think um, at the same time, I do still get a lot of advice from my dad. So um, he's great. I reach out to him when I have, you know, when we we're thinking about what to do with the investment round. We had a few different options, so I totally reached out to him for advice because he's been in business his whole career. So kudos to him. Uh, then also, you know, we have a founding team of five people, and that's a lot. And I think so we go you a, and
1: dealer.com are the only two I've ever heard of, yep. and they did pretty damn well, didn't yeah. they?
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> right. They, yeah. Um, so I get a lot of advice from them too. You know, there's we all have our own opinion and perspective on things. And um, they're probably the first people that I go to if I'm stuck on something here. You know, I'll reach out to them with, hey, any thoughts on how to tackle this? And I'll get lots of advice. So there's no shortage of that for sure.
1: So, I, you know, I, it still feels early to me. You know, sometimes I'm like, I feel like I just met you. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's 2020. Yeah. Um, but looking back from here, what are you most proud of?
0: Um. I'm really proud of the team we've built here. I mean, just an amazing bunch of people. Um, they are literally the first five or six people in VSET set every single day. So we're like the people turning on the lights. Um, you really are. So, yeah. Yeah, well, it's
2: because of the European time probably right? It Catch is up yeah, with yeah. teammates. Yeah,
0: exactly. We've got that overlap in the morning. Um, but just so proud like a great diverse group of people who all have their strengths and yeah, I mean I'm just really really proud of like what we're building and the culture. That we're building here. Um, we've also sold into and delivered to some pretty significant accounts as well, and so I think just super proud of what we've been able to accomplish from a product point of view, as well. And you know, you promise all of these things in a sales cycle, and then getting to actually deliver on them and see some results start to come in has been really exciting.
1: And I think that's awesome. But I also think you know having four other founders that are not in your country. That trust you to just do this, and you you know, you told them you're going to do it, and you did it, and you're doing it, and like yep. that's incredible. Um, so you know, just make sure you pat yourself on the back for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the only female founder of Widget Brain. I'm the only American founder of Widget Brain. So I'm sometimes, like me and the four Dutch dudes, <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: definitely a band or something. Yeah, it, it sounds
0: like funny. a bicycle team. <laughs> yeah. what it sounds like right. Um, do you all bike? We bike.
2: Yeah, yeah, I can say right. Given just culturally in the Netherlands, and, and um, yeah. interesting. Okay, sorry, I digress.
0: Yeah, well, I could tell you. had Cycling to ask. season's
2: coming. Spring is coming, so we're all looking at our bikes. And, yeah, I right. biked
0: in today. We've got a trailer for the kid, and we oiled the chains because they're a little rusty. But a little yeah, rusty. yeah, been, I was looking at our electric winter.
2: scooter the other day when it turned fifty, so we're ready to start buzzing around town. Nice. Um, so it's it's gone really well. There hasn't been a mistake. Well, oh, maybe there has. Has there been a mistake? Is something like you've learned from that you might share your, your wisdom to your peers that are out
0: there? Good question. Um, yeah, we we went through, you know, like it sounds like a really happy, easy path. And I'm like, oh yeah, we were founded in 2015 and now it's 2020 and we have this focus. But I think getting to that focus had a lot of twists and turns. And so I think one example is that uh, when I first started with your Brain, we were super focused on industry 4.0, predictive maintenance, um, IoT, that whole that whole space and it, it, it is actually still part of what we're doing for sure. Um, but there was a point in time at which we actually decided to like go all in on that concept. We actually created a whole second website that we called Machine Brain. And we were trying – we had this idea to, like, okay, well, we'll have, like, machine brain. And then we wanted to get into port scheduling. We would have port brain. And then we kind of ran out out of good brain. Like, peop, like for workforce, like, person brain, that doesn't actually make sense. Like, how do you – we kind of, like – but we were like, don't worry, don't worry. Machine brain, that's a great idea. And so that was an example of, I think, a pivot we made. We all talked about it. We all agreed. It was a, a great idea. And then we kind of pretty quickly realized it wasn't working, and we just – like whoop and you know, took that away and we put forward new branding and we were just all widget brain again. And um, so I think there's definitely there's definitely been some pivots along the way. I mean, kudos to our marketing team, We probably, you know, one of our first customers in the U.S. we signed right after I started. Um, it was actually I signed it here in in VSET before Yay. I had moved here. Um, that's also how I knew this was going to be a good place. But they have seen. You know, we had an orange website and then we had a blue website and now we have a pink website. And if you go back through like. Documents they've signed and presentations we've given to them—they've seen all of the branding, and they're <laughs> so, still around. So and they're still good. around, yeah, exactly.
1: Well, it just shows if you're if you're bringing the value, right? It's, yes, you know, that's yeah, really all that is. matters. It, it totally reminded
2: it. me it's one of the things that I encourage uh, the founders we work with, and I've done it personally. Is you know, you save your business plan or your your PowerPoint yeah. from day zero through wherever you end up, and just you just see the evolution. It's beautiful. What you thought you were doing, then you actually learn from a bunch of customers that tried to use your product in the wild and you said, Oh, that sucks, or that's great, and then you refine it and it's really kinda nice to to have that history. So I hadn't really thought about the Pantone choices, but (laughs) apparently, you know, that's a big one too.
0: Yeah, we have we definitely have a deck that has that whole evolution from like, Oh, here was our first branding, here we are today, and we can really see how far we've come. So that's fun.
1: Anything the Vermont entrepreneurial ecosystem is missing that Dave and I should spend some time working on? Because we Uh, clearly don't have enough on our plate.
2: (laughs) Good question, right? I mean, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. I didn't even
1: write that one down. It just came to me.
0: Yeah. um, I think... So I'm not aware of, like, a really good, strong founders community. Mm -hmm. So uh, through VSET, I know lots of founders, and they're amazing. And so I really value that community that I have here. But outside of that, you know, I know some people have like tried to kind of get some different networking things going. And none of that's really been, I don't think, super sustained, or maybe people kind of started it with a little bit of more of a lead sharing approach. But I don't really need to get business for other people. I just want to get kind of um, culture and community and strategizing and brainstorming with people and so that has been what I, what I think I've been looking for a little bit is how can we have that that community around being a founder and I think you know at WidgetBrain, we're we're totally in infinite sales we're like in infinite mode right like when it comes to sales the sky is the limit when it comes to operating in Vermont the sky is the limit like I don't see this as a scarce environment where like I need to hoard my connections or employees or leads like I, I want to share it all with everybody and I, I think that's One of the things I'm looking for, for sure.
2: That's one of the things I love about the community uh, in general here, but really the here at Visa, you know, working with over 2,000 entrepreneurs and founders over the years, like they all help one another. And I mean, Mm -hmm. very once or twice a year, we might hear no, and then we just move on and we go ask the next biologist to help or the next SaaS company founder. And I think that's uh, there's a high degree of trust. I think there's a high degree of pay-it-forward, pay-it-back kind of mentality, and, and I think that's what makes our community a little bit more special. Yeah. Um, do you have another Vermont company that you really admire that you would name? Yeah. Something we should keep an eye on, up-and-comer?
0: Oh, up-and-coming. I don't know. Let me think about that. Um you know, when I was first here, I talked to then Logic Supply, now On Logic, a few times, and I thought they seemed like
2: At least Roland under the best.
0: Yes, yeah, they just seemed like uh, an organization that really had a very strong corporate culture. They could articulate their values, and uh, they seemed really impressive. So we actually talked to them a little bit about we have similar propositions in the i40 space, and so they kind of build the little smart computers and we wanted to build the little smart algorithms. So we had a couple of conversations with them around that and I think I was always just really impressed by them. Um, I have to admit, Burton Snowboards, they're not um, like an unknown (laughs) company by any means. (laughs) But from the time I was probably 12 years old and first learning to snowboard, I, I loved them. So I was a Burton kid. When I first started snowboarding, one of those
1: South Carolina Burton kids. That's right. Yeah, exactly. From just my life. when
2: I thought I couldn't admire you more, <laughs> it comes out you're a snowboarder. I probably have probably forgotten that. So, yeah. how many days have you gotten
0: this year? I have an 18 month old, so I'm going to say zero. Zero. Okay, that's yeah. cool. That's but I'm going to use him as an excuse. I
1: think Dave just offered to babysit so you oh. can hit the slopes. Oh, I definitely. I heard totally, that. Did you get that? Totally. Yeah. Totally.
2: On tape because, yeah. totally. Perfect. Um, it'll yeah. happen. It'll happen. The it'll magic happen. carpet's coming your way yep. soon. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Dave, it's time. Yeah, I think. we need to
2: wrap it up, unfortunately, because um, I could talk about this all day long. Literally. Okay, so the magic wand question that we have, okay. right? If there was one thing you could change about Vermont, anything, magic wand, what would it be?
0: Anything. Hmm. That's a, that's a
2: good one. It's a stumper. It's, yeah,
0: right? Um,
1: it
2: could be I, magical. It could be practical.
1: I revel in the fact that we get really smart people to kind of... Oh that's no. how we know we've got <laughs> <Yeah>. this
2: question <laughs> dialed.
0: We do. Right? Yeah. You're stumping, you're stumping so everybody. So longer bike path? Yeah, more bike path. That, that for uh, sure. Who was
2: we? had someone that wanted traffic lights improved for commuting in. Dustin, Dustin yeah. from Farm uh, yeah. Table. Um Diversity and oh, the people is a biggie. Mm. Um, red pandas, Margaret Dibble wanted red pandas introduced to Vermont as some oh. alien species. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's her time; she can say what she wants. Yeah,
0: she answered uh, that within uh, about two seconds too. In and, and out burger somewhere. was another
2: gap at one point yep. too. So,
0: yeah, I actually I do think diversity might be um, that. That's one thing that I noticed because moving up here from Philly, uh, which is quite a diverse city. Um, That is one of the things I notice, and it it impacts you really quickly when I go, you know, when I fly through an airport or I go to a city where there's more diversity. I I almost immediately notice it in a way that I didn't before because it was just the normal of where I live. So, yeah, I I think that's really important. I think it's really important to promote that diversity here and do what we can to, you know, be more inclusive and diverse diverse whenever we can.
2: Stacey, thank you so much for... Making time today.
0: Thank you, guys. This was fun. Pleasure.
2: This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. The series has been made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, write a review, share. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to our math homework.